0: Good evening, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and I'll be hosting a special live broadcast tonight on News Talk 760 WJR. Dr. Brian Colander, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is joining us again and sharing his special expertise on preventing catastrophic disease. Tonight, we've invited a special guest, Dr. Marty McCary, MD, author of the just recently voted New York Times best-selling book, The Price We Pay. Dr. McCarry is a surgeon, professor, and health policy expert at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, as well as a Fox News medical contributor. He's here tonight to give us some open talk about the broken healthcare care system and how we ought to have dealt with the COVID pandemic. We're taking limited calls this evening, so be patient and kindly only call with questions pertaining to tonight's discussion. The number here is 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you to a special medical radio show here on News Talk 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and we're here tonight with Dr. Brian Colander, M.D., board-certified in internal medicine and specialist in prevention. We're also joined by our special guest, Dr. Marty McCary, MD, author, Fox News special medical advisor, and surgeon at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. Both are here discussing what's wrong with health care as we know it and how to fix it. If you have a question, please call 800-859-0957. That's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, welcome, Dr. McCary. We're totally thrilled to have you here. Excited about your book. Congratulations on New York Times bestseller. You just found out about that a couple of days ago. And, yeah, uh,
1: pretty exciting.
0: Very. Everyone should buy this book. I have to tell you, I saw it. I bought it. I gave it to Dr. Collender. He read it, and we said, oh, right on the money. How do we get this doctor in to talk about it on the show? So we're glad to have you here, the listeners in Detroit and all around. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what drove you to write the book? I mean, you're a very busy doctor; you're doing a million things. I mean, this is amazing—the you know the research that you put into this book is amazing. So, what drove well, you to writing all, it? To
1: well, um, I think the reason to write a book is if you feel that there's something that needs to be said that is not being said, and I really felt strongly that the broken healthcare system. <laughs> Is not going to be fixed by government. It's going to be fixed from the ground up. And in fact, there's a revolution taking place right now to fix these two underlying problems that are broken in our healthcare system. One is pricing failures, and the other is the appropriateness of care. We've got to start treating more people with diabetes with cooking classes rather than just throwing insulin at people. We've got the most over-medicated generation in the history of the world. We gotta treat more back pain with ice and physical therapy than just surgery and opioids. We gotta study the underlying environmental exposures that cause cancer, not just the chemotherapy. We gotta understand food as medicine. We gotta look at the role of sleep and stress and high blood pressure. This is the revolution right now to revolutionize healthcare, and you cannot do it in the 10-minute visits. I'm sure Brian would agree. It takes a complete restart, and we're seeing that in different pockets around the country. So I wanted to share their stories in the book.
0: Well, the interesting thing is, I know in the start of the book, you talk about this predatory billing, and Dr. Collander, you wanted to share a story with us about, about your experience.
2: Yeah, a couple uh, years ago, my daughter is a student at University of Michigan. She finds herself in East Lansing, which is an hour and a half away, dislocates her knee, I'm still paying the ER visit, (laughs) 90 minutes in the ER, $4,000. And it's like, what does a healthy 20 year old do to get a $4,000 bill in the hospital? Very, you know, then I read your book. I'm like, Oh, this is why. They took advantage.
1: How do we solve that though?
0: Hospitals. Go ahead.
2: You
1: know, uh, there's a crazy game. Um, where hospitals jack up the prices to offer these secret discounts to different insurance companies. And that is the crazy game that we didn't design, we inherited and it just got worse. And there is a disinfectant, there is a kryptonite that takes that down and it is transparency. You know, the fundamental problem in healthcare is we have non-competitive markets and you can create rules around the bad behavior, but the real thing we need is to move towards competitive markets and you're seeing that right now. And by the way, it's cutting out the waste, that middleman waste, like crazy. And so it's uh there's ways people can navigate the system, figure out what the reference-based, honest price is for a service, and and actually um get to that price.
2: So how does an individual person manage and navigate this system? Because you know, what you just said sounded very easy, but to the layperson, even to me, to go, what do I do with that information? It's like How do you fight this behemoth that is in charge?
1: Well, there's two things we need to do. We need to work on the ground, uh, do our ground game, and we need to work on the policy uh, level. On the policy level, we are coming up with billing metrics for hospitals. So when you look for a hospital and you type it into Google, you don't just get the name of the hospital and the address and the phone number. You get the name of the address, the hospital, the phone number, and their performance on billing quality, their five-star billing quality score. Do they give honest prices? How are their prices? Are they fair or are they gouging people? Do they engage in predatory billing, doing things like suing people to garnish their wages for, for high bills? Do they offer good customer service and itemized bills? Do they hit you with surprise bills? These are the ways in which we can measure billing quality so the market can compete over billing quality and hospitals can be rewarded with more business When they have good, honest, and fair billing practices. And on the ground, never sign a financial document when you go to the emergency room, ever. And if they force you to, you write in that line, did not read, you take a picture, and if they ever harass you, you let them know that under contract law, you have not agreed to any price, and therefore you don't owe the money. That is how we've got to start fighting back, because right now, hospitals, not all of them, some are taking advantage of people when they're vulnerable and come in to us for help in the hospital.
2: You know, we talk about being an advocate for yourself on the front end, on the preventive end. Well, I guess we're going to break.
0: We're going to break now, okay. Anyway, we're gonna have to take a short break. (laughs) Again, you're listening to a special live broadcast on healthcare in America, what's wrong and how to fix it. We're here tonight with special guest, Dr. Marty McCary, MD author of the best-selling New York Times best-selling book, The Price We Pay, and Dr. Brian Colander, M.D., expert and specialist in prevention. If you have a specific question related to today's topic, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Yeah, when they get sued... If you're just now joining us, I'd like to let you know that we're welcoming you to our special medical radio show here on News Talk 760 WJR about what's broken in American health care and how to fix it. We're back again with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, as well as Dr. Marty McCary, MD from Johns Hopkins Hospital and author of the book, New York Times bestselling book, The Price We Pay. I'm encouraging everyone to buy it. We're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. McCarry, over the break, we were talking about the fact that I remembered a documentary where a lot of the bankruptcies in this country are caused by patients who, you know, had some kind of catastrophic incident and horrible bills they could never pay off. They got sued and went into bankruptcy. I mean, how do we stop that?
1: Well, we are stopping it. We're going around the country asking CEOs to stop the practice of predatory billing in medicine. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace to our noble profession. And you know what? It's affecting access to care because 64% of Americans now say that they have avoided care or delayed it for fear of the bill. Uh, this is These are self-inflicted wounds in healthcare. We can fix these problems. And we'll have an article coming out in the Journal of the American Medical Association showing That when we shine the light on the practice when we created public accountability in the state of virginia lawsuits went way down and that's what we're doing we're doing it with the axios dashboard we're trying to create public accountability for america's community hospitals
2: so i have a question about your billboard that you put on axios which i looked at a couple days ago which shows hospitals and grades them on several criteria Um, And how do you pick which hospital ends up on the dashboard?
1: So we chose to start the top 100 hospitals by revenue.
2: By revenue. So very interesting. So, um, you know, because I went to look, what do we do in Michigan? How do we grade who's here? And interestingly, the only hospitals that were on were Henry Ford, which graded really well. I'll say the the Michigan hospitals that were graded came out great, I thought. Um, University of Michigan came out looking phenomenal in terms of billing quality, charity, um, safety, um, and transparency. Yeah. So um, Henry Ford also came out looking really good in terms of uh, billing quality uh, and charity, but did not do that well on safety. The What wasn't there was surprising to me. Again, Dr. McCary doesn't know the local uh, scenario here, which is, you know, we have a huge system. Beaumont wasn't on there at all. Yeah. And so this is, you know, this is a hospital that manages uh, all of Level Metro Detroit. Trauma, yeah. mm-hmm. And they've had some drama lately because one of the things you mentioned in the book was hospital consolidation causing uh, changes to health care and how non-medical people are making medical decisions. And, you know, so the hospital has really changed its look and, you know, I don't want to say quality, but it's not this place it was two years ago because they're trying to sell to a regional center. And uh, we've had some shows about that, and there's been a lot of press about it. Um, Just thought that was very interesting that they weren't even listed as a top 100 hospital.
0: Well, is there hope for the hospitals? That's what I want to know.
2: Well, there is. Dr. McCary is trying to hold them accountable and uh, make sure that they're providing quality care at a good price.
0: That's a big which is job all we for, can ask for. Big job for a country this size. I'll tell
1: you, I visited those hospitals that you mentioned, Brian, and uh, you've got phenomenal hospitals in Michigan in terms of the quality of the care. The doctors there are so impressive, and the nurses. I've spent some time there at those different centers, and uh, these are incredible institutions with a great, rich tradition. What we're trying to do is move the market. To reward hospitals that are behaving well on quality scores and on billing scores. That is, billing quality is medical quality, and financial toxicity is a medical complication. And we can measure this, right? This is not, you don't have to fly blind and worry about getting taken advantage of by one hospital that Charges seventy thousand for a baby delivery that's uncomplicated, and the other hospital charges six thousand for a baby delivery that's uncomplicated with similar quality. Those are real numbers, by the way. I'm giving you from New York, and uh, very similar in Massachusetts. I go through in the book.
2: Well, no, I mean, I get, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, I go mean, I, I just want to tell the listeners they really should read this book because we all talk about how the healthcare system just isn't working, and not that anyone wants to be angry. But when you read the book, it really is uh, thought-provoking. And you get very frustrated to hear that places that you trust are taking advantage of people that don't know any better. Um, it's very frustrating. And, uh, again, can't say enough about the work that you're doing to keep us you know, healthy from the hospital end. Let's talk a little bit about not going to the hospital at all. Um, so I'll you know, say so that's our wheelhouse, which is front-end prevention, identifying risk, and applying uh, a plan to prevent people from having disease and early identification. Um, so in, you're talking a lot about that on your, you know, when you get uh, TV time, which uh, we commend a lot, um, letting people know that they need to take care of themselves early.
0: Well, yeah, prevention is what it, go ahead, Dr. McCary, what did you want to say?
1: No, I just couldn't agree more. Thank you for saying that. You know, there's this new revolution I'm ta- I was uh, describing to get at the underlying the underlying drivers of why people come to the hospital. We've often felt in the hospital like we've got to bust out of these walls and get out there and address these issues before they come to us. I felt that way doing trauma surgery where we're, you know, basically seeing the, the end consequences of a lot of problems out there in society. Pediatricians feel that way. I mean, a lot of doctors feel like we need to address the underlying issues out there. And there's a revolution now to say, hey, let's talk about how inflamed you are. Let's talk about your inflammatory state. Let's talk about are you at a high, medium, or low level of inflammation? These are things that you can measure with a C reactive protein that's highly selective. And these are things that you can modify, right, with what you eat and with the type of foods. There's high and low inflammatory foods. There's uh, stress and glucose metabolism, metabolism that if affect general body inflammation and the types of foods, not just uh, the um, the dichotomy of high and low. So this is the exciting thing right now in healthcare. We've never talked about it before. And I don't know what you call it. It's the word preventive medicine, to be honest with you. To me, it just doesn't capture it. And I don't know what the right word is out there. We call it the redesign of healthcare because we're talking about addressing these things Early, you know it's not we're not talking about uh, what age to get mammograms. We're talking about the in- holistic approach to preventing illness.
0: Okay, I want to jump in here before I get squeezed out. All I want to say is, what about the fact that all of the tests that identify uh, heart disease, your potential death stroke, none of them are covered by insurance. So they're not even on the doctor's checkbook to say, okay, you need a CT cardiac calcium score, or you need a CIMT, or you need this blood test, or you need these, whatever special testing that you need. None of them are covered by insurance. And so the insurance companies are not, if they're not covering them, the doctors are not checking the box, or there is no box to check. So the average patient is screwed. They can't necessarily jump on the prevention bandwagon.
1: You know, if we unhandcuff physicians and let them practice state-of-the-art care. I will tell you, Emery, I have met cardiologists that have a lot of patients in their practice who are at risk of heart disease and have gone a year or two without a single person in their practice having a heart attack. Why is that? They're ordering the LP little a test, the lipoprotein A test that predicts heart disease independent of LDL. They're getting the calcium score you mentioned because they don't have to have an insurance company tell them they can't. And they're getting the APO, B, and doing the right LP, uh, LDL breakdowns. This is the revolution now, and you cannot do it in the 10-minute visits.
0: Oh, no kidding. That We talk about that all the time. But still, the CT, cardiac calcium scoring test, and the CIMD are paid for out of pocket. They're just no. not covered. And then a lot or- of doctors don't know how to interpret the CIMT, and here we are. we got to go to break again. Sorry about that. Uh, Again, you're listening to a special live medical broadcast on what's wrong with American health care and how to fix it. We're taking limited calls tonight. However, if you have a specific question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on News Talk 760 WJR on healthcare in America, why it's broken and how to fix it. We're fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention here tonight, along with our special guest, Dr. Marty McCary, MD from Johns Hopkins Hospital and author of the New York Times bestselling book, The Price We Pay. We're telling you all to read it. We're inviting you to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Uh, Dr. McCarry, I know in your latest paperback version of the book, you've updated everybody on COVID. Tell us what we need to know about where we're at with COVID in this mess right now.
1: Well, we need to move on. I mean, COVID right now represents probably the fifth or sixth most concerning infectious disease in the United States. I mean the number of daily COVID cases, by the way, the vast majority are asymptomatic because now we're testing for screening purposes. The number of daily COVID cases is 150th the number of daily flu cases in the middle of a mild flu season. So, I mean, at some point, we've got to reestablish the human connection. We've got to let kids see each other's faces. We've got to rebuild communities. We got to address the fact that we still have ghost towns in America in many of the northern states where the restrictions were excessive and we've got to start getting people back in the hospital for their routine medical care and moving on. Uh, poverty and depression and profound isolation affects health. We just got the report on suicide attempts among teen girls up 50% in February. But we've got to move on, and we're there. We're, we've always said when we're less than 10 cases per 100,000, we get back to normal. We're there. Even Dr. Fauci said that. We're there. We're at two cases per 100,000. So right now, I'm very optimistic on the future. We just need to recognize that if, you're not, if you don't have natural immunity, and you don't have vaccinated immunity, you're going out there at your own risk, okay? Society can no longer wait for you. We've got to move on.
0: Well, I like what you said about talking about the vaccine, about how in the UK they they delayed getting the second vaccine. And there was also like some residue left in the uh, injection that they could have saved and they could have done the, the spread in between to help build herd immunity. So why was it that we didn't do that here if it worked better there?
1: Yeah, I'm often amused at the people who think, oh, you know, our vaccine rollout went pretty well in the United States. Well, relative to what? I mean, we we hit about three and a half to four million vaccine doses a day at our peak. We do three million doses a day of the flu shot in a a regular flu season. Mm -hmm. We have squandered so many opportunities and tens of thousands of Americans died because of it. One of them, just to give you an example, the FDA said you could not use the extra roughly half dose at the bottom of the vial. But what was the reason?
0: What was the reason for that? They said, no, but why?
1: They were worried about... uh, Mm cross-contamination. Well, we don't use the same needle. We don't inject somebody and draw (laughs) it. I mean, that's kind of obvious. Doctors were saying, this is absurd. They petitioned the FDA. We threw out 15% of the US
0: vaccine supply sad. Most of the pandemic. And Siobhan um, and I were just in Costa Rica where they can't get it, right? We were there for right, the, a sad, couple of weeks ago. Hear
1: that. Yeah, I mean, really it's is. really
0: sad. You know, the driver's telling you, I'm still waiting to get my vaccine, you know, and it's like, okay, what are you waiting for? Well, we don't have the supply and America's chucking it down the drain.
1: Well, we what I thought,
0: delayed- Go ahead, sorry. I mean, I
2: thought what was interesting is, uh, you know, your, uh, the, the journal article about that we're at a, you know, we're at, we're at herd immunity already, you know, because there's a lot of passive immunity. A lot of our listeners um, are questioning vaccine use and call every day about, you know, why do I need to get a vaccine? Uh, we encourage vaccine because we want to avoid, you know, any of these long-term complications that the inflammation that COVID may cause. Um, but since you're suggesting we're at herd immunity now, What do you think about these mandatory employer vaccine programs? Um, You know, the possibility of still having a vaccine passport, you know, not being able to travel without proof of vaccination. What do people do who think they've been they've achieved passive immunity and don't want a vaccine?
1: Well, look, Dr. Collinger. In my opinion, one of the greatest failures of our medical leadership has been in ignoring natural immunity from prior infection. It's about half of America. It's about half of the unvaccinated. It's real, it's durable, and the science now supports it. As I wrote about in the Wall Street Journal last week, a piece called The Power of Natural Immunity, It's dur- it works. And so we're doing the absurdity right now of insisting that even though you're already immune, You can't go to school or you can't go to work or you can't travel unless you get vaccinated, even though you're already immune. This is a failure of medical leadership by Dr. Walensky and Dr. Fauci. And there's look, I'm pro vaccine. I'm as pro vaccine as they get. But we've got vaccine fanaticism that has ignored the science on natural immunity and is starting to ignore the data right now on these heart complications in kids. Yeah, the myocarditis, the I was going
0: to ask you about that. Yeah, go ahead, Dr. McCary. That's interesting.
1: Those complications are clustered around the second dose. If you're under age 30, get one dose, okay? The one dose is incredibly effective, incredibly effective, more, way more effective than any flu shot in history, okay? It will protect you by and large with a safety profile and an efficacy profile, almost as protective as two doses, almost there, nearly there, the second dose has, you know, there, this, these heart complications. And there's a child, at least one that I know of, where it appears that she may have died from the second dose, and she's otherwise healthy.
2: What's driving our government to, you know, misinform us? And you say this failure of leadership. I mean, what forces are they responding to if it's not our health and financial wellness? Because the government, you know, there's still... The economy still not at full steam ahead because of this.
1: Look, I went out for, for ice cream with friends and I asked for a sample of the vanilla. And the <laughs> worker told yeah, me, right. we, we're not doing samples because of COVID, mm-hmm. you know, through a plexiglass. Now, look, I can go without the ice cream, but kids are still shut out of their livelihoods, businesses are, you know, shut down. I mean, um, what has happened, in my opinion, Brian? is that part of leadership is humility, okay? It's changing your position as the data come in, and it's apologizing when things go wrong. We have not had any humility from our medical leadership whatsoever, okay? There have been so many missteps. And instead of giving the uh, American people the honesty that my patients uh, like seeing when I'm honest with them, and that is when I say, look, I'm, I'm sorry, we got things wrong, it's my responsibility. Patients appreciate that when I tell, when I say that. People are hungry for honesty right now. We have not seen the humility to evolve the strategy as the data has come in. As the data came in on natural immunity, rather than recognize it and change the strategy and say, look, we want you to be vaccinated, but if you have natural immunity, it appears to be as good and durable right now as vaccinated immunity. We have not seen humility.
2: You know, we've been talking about this on the show all along, which is if we had the data, the published data, as it comes in from the vaccine studies, from any trial that comes in, because a lot of these things still aren't available, you know, to the public. You can't go on uh, PubMed and download these studies. They're still, you know, in uh, they're still in process. And right. And this lack of transparency makes it very challenging. And, of course, when things get politicized, but it shouldn't be. Science is science, and it's... The data is what it is. Let people make their own conclusions and uh, a lot of distrust out there. And this all ties in. I'm going back to your book. I'm sorry, but it ties into just lack of transparency at all levels, not just our government, but hospitals, local doctors, whoever comes in. They're doing something for financial benefit that takes advantage of people that don't know any better.
0: And, you know, Dr. Collender, I mean, you're doing two shows a week. We talk about this all the time. People are lost. I mean, they can't rely on finding you or finding a Dr. McCarry or finding somebody who's going to be honest and straight up with them. All of the calls that we get and all of the outreach that we've uh, gotten through the show has been people that are just lost. They're just lost.
2: It really is sad, doctor, when, you know, people call and go, well, I had a CT calcium score of 2,500, and the doctor's recommendation is to repeat it quarterly, you know, which is a useless piece of information. <laughs> That's in- not uh, even funny. Right, I mean. right, we almost, that scary. was our reaction on the show. We burst out laughing like you got to be joking. I know. So yeah. uh, I think we might be out of time. Yeah, Sinan, we got to go to
0: break right now, even although they haven't given me a cue. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. You're listening to a special live broadcast tonight on what's wrong with American health care and how to fix it. <laughs> You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Marty McCarry, MD, and Dr. Brian Colander, MD. If you have a specific question on the subject we're discussing tonight and you'd like to hear from the doctor directly, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the final segment of our special live broadcast here on News Talk 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and becoming your own advocate in your personal health care journey. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collander, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, and Dr. Marty Makary, MD, professor, surgeon, special medical advisor of Fox News and author of the best-selling New York Times best-selling book, The Price We Pay. We're urging all of you to get it and read it from Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. If you have a question for the doctor, now's your last chance to call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. So we were talking over the break about following up on herd immunity and COVID and where we go from here.
2: Well, we we talked on the break a little bit about how, you know, what is next, because when you watch the news, COVID is not over at all. Um, You know, we've talked on the show that COVID is over six weeks ago. And Dr. McCary, pretty much for the same reasons you were, which is, you know, we didn't have uh, the research at the time, but basically anyone who's been vaccinated wants to get vaccinated and they're immune and the people that didn't want to get vaccinated didn't. So when you add the, you know, what we know now about natural immunity, it really is over. Yet on the news, it isn't. Uh, You hear about teachers unions uh, making public policy in every city that they have influence. You're hearing about airlines requiring um vaccinations to get on the plane european uh the eu is opening europe to americans and each individual country is going to have different requirements for americans to enter europe who's calling the shots here and if we're immune why are americans being kept out we're the only country in the world that's immune we should be welcome to spend the money in their country
1: (laughs) well first of all you're absolutely correct 80 to 85% of adults in America today have immunity, okay? That means the virus cannot jump around. When eight or nine out of every 10 people at every restaurant, every group, every movie theater, every sports event has immunity. The virus cannot jump around nearly as readily. That's called herd immunity. We're there, okay, we're there. Now, it doesn't mean it's eradication. It's gonna circulate in in the susceptible, mostly in kids where the case fatality rate's very low, about seasonal flu levels. And it's gonna circulate maybe even a little faster with the Delta variant. But uh, let's not engage in variant fear mongering as if immunity doesn't work against these variants. We've had hundreds of variants and guess what? Immunity works almost perfectly well against all of them equally. So I don't know why some people want this pandemic to go forever. Uh, maybe how the political analysts know, but when I, projected in um, February, in the winter, that we were gonna see herd immunity by late spring, by April or May, in time for a normal summer. One of the members of the Senate told me, you know, Marty, you just ignited a firestorm with that because the largest spending bill in U.S. history is on the floor of the Senate up for vote and its justification is to spend for COVID. And you're saying that we're gonna be at very low levels in a couple months. That, I think, was one of the great areas of the politicalization of herd immunity.
2: Well, I think our listeners know that most of the $6 trillion in the COVID bill is not going to COVID. You know, probably, you know, half a trillion might be or less, and the rest of it's going to, uh, you know, pork spending. The rest. So everyone knows that this is just nonsense, um, and it's just a way for the government and the. Uh, the administration spend money. Um, So still I'm asking the question again, that there is no answer to what does a person do who is convinced that they've been exposed, doesn't want to get a vaccine for whatever reason they choose.
1: I tell them to get an antibody test. So
2: yeah, go ahead.
1: If they look, if they feel pretty, look, if they truly had COVID they're immune. Okay. They don't, the no, vaccine is not required. The Cleveland Clinic study just showed if you have natural immunity and you get the vaccine, you get no added protection. Okay, natural immunity is effective, but you know there are people who think they had COVID. They didn't. They had some other virus circulating. They're susceptible, and some people are still at risk. Some people do get it, even though it were at one fiftieth the cases of a mild flu season. Um, but, so that's my that's what I've been. And sometimes I tell folks it's not two or zero doses of the vaccine. There's there's no law against getting one dose. We live in a free country. I'm not recommending it, but maybe for some people that are hesitant or worried in a younger population about the side effects or the risk of heart complications after the second dose. One dose confers a lot of protection.
2: Well, the antibody test for those people isn't always sustained, you know, so unfortunately, um, and as you know, um, the way to identify long-term immunity just isn't available to the lay public. And that's so we just don't have a simple blood test to identify long-term immunity, which is going to be frustrating to a lot of people. And, of course, as you just we just alluded to, it just costs too much. The government's spending too much money in the name of COVID, and it's just too much business going around to stop it. And I really think that's all it comes down to. It's no different than what you're saying in your book. Money's driving... Hospitals to drive up healthcare costs at our expense, and our government, who should be looking out for us, is doing the same thing in the name of COVID, spending well, money the money we don't need.
1: Look at the booster conversation. Oh, you guys geez. heard about yeah. you know, yes. the pharma mm-hmm. executives, pharma's out there telling people boosters will be required in the fall. They don't know. They don't know. Let me tell you something. Boosters will not be required in the future, and immunity is lifelong. That's what I believe. And we've got pharma out there telling people you're going to need a – look, if it were up to the pharma companies, they probably give you a booster every Monday morning when you show up to work. Right. Okay, shareholders would love it.
2: Well, you know, when uh, Fauci comes in and starts uh, on the heels of the Pfizer CEO telling us we need a booster, and the next uh, – his next press conference, he's saying, yeah, we need a booster – I mean, not that we needed any more evidence on this station that this place is fixed. That will really sell this deal. You know, it's.
1: Uh, hey, un- Fauci. He, Fauci. He had a last week. He had a bad week.
2: Right. Well, I think he's having a bad 2021. You know, he's, he hasn't had a good week in a long time. Um, I'm going
0: to jump
1: in here real quick, just because we have a question from our guy at the station. He says, if, if what the two doctors are saying is true, then why do the professional sports teams still have special rules for the vaccinated and non-vaccinated? People are still getting COVID. Seems easy enough to just get the vaccine and you can do what you want.
2: That's a great well, question. Sorry, go ahead, please.
1: Well, I, I, I'm going to say I'm probably what you're going to say. We got to stop talking about the unvaccinated and the vaccinated. We need to talk about the immune and the non-immune. It's so unscientific. And to partition society around this 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 metric, which is just ignoring natural immunity and resulting in a lot of people who have immunity getting vaccinated, it's very frustrating. And, you know, I can tolerate it. I can tolerate getting you know, watching another adult get a vaccine dose they may not need. But when you see kids get uh, treated like this, and you see them develop these heart complications after the second dose, that's when it makes your blood boil. These colleges have to stop these requirements in schools and universities, forcing everyone to get a two dose vaccine, ignoring natural immunity because Fauci and Walensky ignore natural immunity. They're gonna hurt a lot of people with their vaccine mandates, a lot of kids.
0: Who's going to be in charge of controlling all this, though? I mean, you don't have a queen here. What can I say? I mean, who's going to be in charge of making this happen? It sounds good, but, you know.
2: Well, you'll agree we probably need uh, some version of a national health program um, where there are people who are not tied into uh, f- taking money to make health care decisions. Um, and right now our government is fairly corrupt, you know, and being driven by corporations.
0: So Dr. You know, McCarry, go ahead. We got five more seconds. Go ahead.
1: Look, I just want to say, we just got to keep saying what we're saying. Dr. Collinger, I really value your wisdom here. We need more physicians out there. There's a group of us, Dr. Monica, Gandhi, um, others at, at um, Vinay Prasad. We just got to keep t- trying to educate the public because unfortunately one person
0: as everybody's
1: ear, and that's not always the right medical opinion.
0: Well, I'm going to have to jump in here because unfortunately we're out of time. So I'd like to quickly thank Dr. Thank you. Brian Collender, MD, specialist in prevention, and Dr. Marty McCarrie, MD, surgeon, professor, and author of the book, The Price We Pay, for having the absolute courage to speak out and challenge the state of healthcare in this country for the benefit of its citizens and all people who buy into the system and deserve better. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we hope you got some useful information today on how to be your own advocate and take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey. Please continue to listen to our shows on News Talk 760 WJR.